It's October 26, 2023. I'm Charlie Sykes. Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. We're going to be doing something a little bit different today. We've been on COVID lockdown here in Wisconsin, but the rest of the Bulwark team was down in the Big Easy last night for a wide-ranging discussion of everything from our fifth-string speaker, Mike Johnson, to Joe Biden, Israel, anti-Semitism on the left. So today's podcast is going to be a replay of last night's conversation. Hey, a quick reminder, if you want to come to one of our Bulwark events, the next one is scheduled in Washington, D.C. on November 16th. I'm going to be joined by special guest Brian Stelter and the rest of the Bulwark crew will also be on hand to have um a wide-ranging conversation, again, on the 2024 election and the news of the day. If you'd like to join us in Washington, D.C. on November 16th, just go to the Bulwark website for more information. In the meantime, enjoy this conversation from last night in New Orleans. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? New Orleans, Louisiana, not too bad, right? Pretty good, French Quarter. How many locals we got here tonight? We got some locals? About that. What's up? Well, my people back there. Team Sarah, Team Sarah. We have some focus groupies in the crowd. Any focus yeah. groupies? A couple. Right up front. I heard... Thank you. Hope someone's wearing the T-shirt. My ladies, right there. Um, all right, we got Sarah Long right here. You know her. That's Thanks, that's friend. Sonny Bunch. You might know him. He's yeah. at the Bulwark. And at the end, we have uh, Mona Chern. So there's this thing about Mona Chern. We're not we're not going to age anybody, but it's interesting. An interesting fact about Mona Chern. How many New York Times bestsellers do you have? Uh, two. Oh. <laughs> That's more than anybody else on so, the stage. Uh, so I'm just saying, hypothetically, should another book of mine come out? It's very important that everybody in here buy it so that I can get to even here at the at the bulwark. Um, all right, boy, we had an interesting day today, huh? Mike Johnson, we have a speaker. I guess we have some fresh things for everybody to talk about. I'm interested in everybody's opinion, but I want to... How many people... Uh, is there anybody here that like, really knows Mike Johnson? Do we have any like, oh yeah, we got a couple. We got a couple, okay. We're, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find, I'm finding you after for the oppo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, here's the thing about Mike Johnson. Uh, he is a, uh, um, a rabid evangelical conservative, very similar to maybe your old boss, Rick Santorum. I remember Thank you, for I remember that. you like to ring Thank out you. that. I appreciate that. Uh, so he had some very Rick Santorum qualities. Uh, he was the like one of the most uh, active uh, supporters of the Stop the Steal effort, uh, including something that our friends at Republican Accountability Pack uncovered today, which was uh, his, uh, he was even pushing the Dominion voting machine he was. conspiracy, among, among, among other things. But he just, I stole a line from you today. Do you know? Have you heard it yet? No. So he like, he is, he's kind of like Patrick McHenry in the streets, but Jim Jordan in the sheets, you know? I stole that from Sarah. So he looks nice. You know, like he looks like he just wants to like, like, he looks like he drinks milk with a straw and like goes to church and gets there early and sits in the first row of the pew and like he was the speech debate captain. So... I, was he, was this was it just meant to be? Do you think for for Mike Johnson? Do you think he is like representing what the Republican Party is now, or 
Well, how do you think we ended up here? Okay, here's what happened. And actually, it's really important that people understand this because this is what's happening more broadly. Why is he the speaker right now? Because people were exhausted. <laughs> they were tired of fighting over this. And so they grabbed a backbencher that they thought they could bring to consensus. And I, sometimes I say this at the end of every show, but I'm going to say it at the beginning this time, that the, it is a reason why eternal vigilance on democracy is so important, because when you are tired is when terrible things happen and you let people through, right? And even though you're often using it, it doesn't sound like anybody knows who this guy was or realizes he was a you know, congressman. Uh, but it doesn't matter who he is, actually, because what it tells us isn't that much about him. It tells us about the rest of them. And we were having a little bit of a love fest over Ken Buck last week, right? Mm. Because Ken Buck... Seems like Ken Buck needs a therapist. Ken, well, Ken Buck was all over the TVs telling us about how you cannot support somebody who was out there saying that the election was rigged, that was endorsing January 6th. And this guy was like the person behind the scenes. He is the, yeah, the clean-cut Jim Jordan who was organizing the whole thing. He organized the uh, Ken Paxton, uh, you know, the Texas AG letter where they were going to try to, uh, you know, throw out the votes of a bunch of people in the state. So uh, it showed us again who these guys are and the fact that, like, while we all thought there was a brief moment last week that the center was holding, it caved the second they thought they had it. It also shows that it was just personal about Jim Jordan. Like, it was about Jim Jordan, it wasn't about January 6th. It wasn't about the principled stand. Yeah. Mona, what do you, like, where should uh, people in the crowd panic level be about Mike Johnson? Like, what, what, is, what is your assessment? Is it like, this is kind of a guy that was going, faking it, going to uh, get along, or is this, like, the real, the real kind of danger? Yeah, so there are two ways to look at this, as, as I see it. On the one hand, um, it would have been mm, 10 years ago inconceivable that somebody who tried to steal an election and who was an election denier um, would have been anywhere near the speaker's gavel. And the fact that now you, this was the bare minimum, this was the, the entrance exam that you had to pass to get the job, is to say the 2020 election was stolen, Donald Trump has given me his little pat on the shoulder. I'm okay. And that's the only way that you can get to be speaker in this Republican House. All right, that is pretty grim. The other side of this, though, is that he has just inherited the worst job in the world. And so the, the, the caucus has not changed. Uh, they settled on this guy because they couldn't bear the humiliation of dragging this on any longer. Sarah's right, they're tired, they're exhausted, and the country was getting exhausted, and they were worried that maybe the voters might just like suddenly notice that they can't govern. Um, I, I love They didn't I, notice. I, yeah. Really? Have you done groups? Nobody right. noticed? Well, I love, I love I, I'm sorry. I love Nobody people. noticed? <laughs> There's like something it's going on It's been 23 days. <laughs> they, have, they didn't notice the house. They didn't know what the Speaker of the House does. Has anyone ever noticed well, the House? No. So, so PJ O'Rourke had a great line. He said, the Republicans are the party who say that government doesn't work, and then they get elected and prove it. <laughs> so, uh, um, Sonny, uh, 
I, um, I have one. I think that there is, I think that there are a lot of medium-term things to be low-level concerned about when it comes to Mike Johnson. We can, we can talk about. Um, I think there's one acute short-term concern, which is Ukraine. So he, like, he voted against both yeah. um, of the last funding efforts. Um, there was some talk today that, uh, well, I'll believe when I see it, but there was some talk today that they came to some sort of back, door, back deal agreement on the CR to avoid the shutdown fight so he doesn't like become speaker, and then it's like, hey, shutdown fight. So it seems like they're going to solve that, but Ukraine wasn't part of that talk. Um, Biden is out there, uh, I think, smartly offered and said, hey, we're going to give $100 billion, some to Ukraine, some to Israel, some to the border. There are a couple other things in there. Like, do you, are, are, are there enough of your people left? Are there enough neo, free beacon neocons left to pressure this guy just to, like, just at least get us through one more cycle of Ukraine? Or how, how worried are you? I, I'm, I'm pretty worried. I don't, I don't see, look, uh, you mentioned that there was some chatter about him saying, well, you know, Russia is a real threat. And there's this weird thing going on right now where some of these guys are like, yeah, you know, at least Ukraine makes sense because of Russia. You know, we don't want to be involved with the Israel-Gaza stuff at all. Like, we don't want any part of that. But, you know, the Ukraine... So, like, there's, there's almost a... The two sides are... One side is playing both of these conflicts against each other, which is terribly disappointing to me. Like, it, I, as you say, I am one of the last unrepentant neocons. I just want to arm, arm all of them to, to fight all of Please. their wars. Uh, you know, that would, be, that would be the preferred outcome here. Uh, so... What about uh, Azerbaijan? But, but I Should don't, we be throwing them some weapons too, or which I, side? I don't depends, know which side. I got to read up on that one. <laughs> that one, but possibly. The one good thing I have, Sonny, which you'll appreciate, um, is I saw one good fact about Mike Johnson today. I, re- I consumed a lot of information about Mike Johnson, and I saw a single good fact that I that uh, that I liked, and that was from uh, a MAGA person tweeted unhappily that he receives a lot of money from Raytheon and Northrop Grumman. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> we can work with this. We can work with Maybe this. the military-industrial yeah. complex can come through for Ukraine one more time. I don't know. I, I'll balance that by saying that I saw Matt Gates's appearance on uh, Stephen Bannon's show where he's like, this is a win for us. This is a win for us, and anyone who doesn't see it as a win for us, the MAGA... Uh, crowd is just, they don't know what they're looking at. I'll take Matt Gates at his word. That Isn't it so annoying that Matt Gates has been right a lot lately? Matt Gates was out there talking about how the impeachment thing was a sham and how Kevin McCarthy's an empty suit and how the MAGAs have right. taken over the House. My God, that fucking big forehead has a couple of good points in it. It's a well, Matt, frustrating. Matt, I mean, Matt can tell you what's happening in the House. Matt Gates sucks, but he wants to be ascendant. Really right, he really sucks. But he does want... Everybody to understand that they are ascendant, that they are ascendant in the house, that they are ascendant as a political force, and he's just correct about that. I think people were overreading the rejection of Jim Jordan as a rejection of MAGA and like, well, Trump, you know, doesn't have the juice, and like Trump went and made sure he proved he had the juice by ever lasting four hours and then getting a bona fide election denier uh, to run the house. I will say on the, the upside, um, there's a lot of. The downsides are very real if, like, we don't pass Ukraine funding, we don't do the things that we need to do. The upside is, I was one thing, the one good thing about Jim Jordan was that it was at least truth in advertising, right? It was like, this is who the party is, this is who's running it now. We don't have uh, Kevin McCarthy with his haircut making people, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing, putting a nice face on the election denialism and everything else. And so this guy, this is who they are, this is who they wanted, and, like, 
now we'll have him to run in every swing district uh, in Congress in 2024. I think that's well, true. Well, I, isn't this? But I, I, I'm curious what the voters think of this because on the one hand, he's he nobody knows who he is. He's not Nancy Pelosi. You can't be like, look at this guy. On the other hand, can't can't Democrats say like, this guy wants to ban abortion at the federal level. This guy wants to end you know Ukraine funding, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, like. Isn't he extreme? He wants to overturn gay marriage. Like, isn't he extreme enough that they can just pin all of that on? Yeah, that's my point. Of, yeah. My yeah. point is, is it's truth yeah. in advertising. Okay. He can, they can, uh, and they don't know who he is now. Uh, they will. They'll know who he is. Don't Shreveport my house district. That seems like that could be a winning I'm gonna message. I'm going to run so many ads micro-targeted at you. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Mona, do you think there's something to that? Well, yeah. So, so there was a debate that we all participated in. Tim, you did an interview um, with um, somebody, I'm forgetting who, but, but discussing uh, whether people should have worked for Trump in order to keep the country from Steve going Hayes. off the ropes. Yeah, Steve, Steve Hayes. Hayes Steve Hayes, yeah. thank you. Should you, you know, work for Trump to keep the country at least somewhat between the 50-yard lines and... Um, and Tim was saying no because you gave it cover and you made it seem more normal than it really was. And it would have been better to just let Trump, you know, appoint his lunatics. And then the, you know, country would have been in real trouble, but at least the voters would have seen the reality of who Trump was. Some people said, nah, you know, when it comes to national security, when it comes to the Defense Department, that's just too big a risk to take. Um, but when it comes to somebody like the Speaker of the House, who does not have his finger on the button, at least, I mean, he is two steps away from it, but, but for now, he doesn't have his finger luckily, on the button. Luckily, Kamala's still young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, luckily for some of us, I guess. I guess I won't speak for everybody. But, but in this case, it really does um, seem like it's fine, you know, that, that this will allow voters to make an evaluation about the party because the, you know, the window dressing, which was Kevin McCarthy, is, is gone. And, uh, you know, it's not quite Jim Jordan. Uh, so Adam Kinzinger said something funny. He said, uh, he said uh, Johnson is, is, uh, is Jim Jordan in drag. <laughs> Kinsinger was working that line hard. I got that text too. Okay, Kinsinger is trying to be serious, guy, Congress guy. He's trying to work the line into the podcast space uh, via text message. Hey, folks, this is Charlie Sykes, host of the Bulwark podcast. We created the Bulwark to provide a platform for pro democracy voices on the center right and the center left, for people who are tired of tribalism and who value truth and vigorous yet civil debate about politics and a lot more. And every day, we remind you folks, you are not the crazy ones. So why not head over to thebulwark.com and take a look around. Every day, we produce newsletters and podcasts that will help you make sense of our politics and keep your sanity intact. To get a daily dose of sanity in your inbox, why not try a Bulwark Plus membership free for the next 30 days? To claim this offer, go to thebulwark.com slash charlie. That's thebulwark.com forward slash charlie. We're going to get through this together. I promise. I have one more strategic question about Mike Johnson that I'm going to get to with another special guest we have coming at the end. So I, I, want to, I want to move on from Mike Johnson really quick and just have one moment of schadenfreude about Tom Emmer before we get to Israel. 
Uh, JVL wrote today about the eunuch Republicans. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw this about how uh, Tom Emmer got his balls cut off by Donald Trump and then just didn't and then said, "Thank you, sir. I appreciate it." <laughs> like I, I, this has been the thing that is. I, I, I know I wrote a book about this, so I'm supposed to know, and I'm supposed to be the one that the actual, like, but it's the thing that's most flummoxed me. It's like, doesn't one of these people just want to say, fuck you, man, like, uh, no, like, no, I will not do this. I, don't, I really, we spent three weeks with this, and is that, do, do, can any of the three of you open question explain to me why not a single one of the 220 of them said, this was my moment, I am going to go stand up and do the right thing, and I'm going to try to create a consensus government with Hakeem Jeffries, and I'm not going to let Donald Trump make fun of me, and I'm going to call him a crazy racist lunatic, and at the end of this, Walter Isaacson's going to make sure I get some board seats from Aspen Institute donors. Like, that seems, that was, that seems like a logical thing, but not nobody. Why? Because they like being in government. They like being in the House. Really? They don't, they don't want to have people sending them death threats because they've betrayed Donald Trump? I mean, like, I, I can think of a lot of reasons why. Because they're cowards, I don't know. Really? Yeah, also for a lot of these people, I'm sorry to say, they are too dumb to make a good private sector salary. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So this is as good as it gets for them, and uh, they'll hold on with their white knuckle grip. I just want to sometimes, I just sometimes fantasize, Sarah. I just like, I wish, you know, Back to the Future was real, and I want to get in the thing and fly back to 2013 and go to Tom Emmer's house in, in Minnesota <laughs> and meet his wife with their probably Dom sub material that they have, whatever he gets into. Come on, and come just, on. I want to say it. Come on. We're in New Orleans. We're in the French Quarter. And I want to say that there's a, there's a very interesting shop right around the corner. I'm still I want to take you to. No. Uh, very, they sell some very interesting goods right around the corner if Not anybody's going. interested. Um, uh, and I just, want to, I just want to read Tom Emmer Donald Trump's tweet. And I, and I just want to be like, this is what is going to happen. You are going to be in Congress, and you are going to support a coup. Uh, you're going to support the game show host to become an autocrat. Uh, and, and running the country without our democracy, and he's going to create a social media thing where he calls you a rhino wimp, and you are going to say thank you. <laughs> and I just want to tell him that, and be like, this, 10 years from now, this is what's going to happen. And, and I think that all these guys would be like, no way. Of course they would. Never. I would never do that. But so, why, why, what does Liz tell you? You and Liz hang out, don't you? Cheney? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. What does she say? <laughs> Uh, why, why only Liz? Well, also Adam. Look, here's, here's the thing. Hold on. Just, it's not just the people who are in Congress. We've been asking ourselves this question for forever. I, I was just talking about this with some people. Behind closed doors, they all say Donald Trump is a psychopath. Obviously. They know. It's not like... Obviously. Right? They are afraid of the threats, but a lot of it is that in the early days, people did stick their... Heads up. I don't know if you guys even can remember back to, remember who Jeff Flake is? Sure. He's like, got a great life. He's an ambassador. That's fine. Me. That's fine. But no, no, no. Do you remember? But he he's stood up. Sure. And he got, but he he's did. Gonna, he's done. He's done in the party. It's all over. He's an ambassador to Turkey. That's awesome. I'm available. I don't know if there are any Joe Biden people out here. Whatever. I, actually, I don't, I don't, though, I don't, right? the, the answer is they're cowards. I don't know. I don't want to like sit up here and make excuses yeah, for them. But that it's it's the, very strange. And actually, the important part is not why they don't speak up now. Actually, it leads me to a different point, which is this. Uh, 
Yeah, I know. Uh, Sarah's stronger than me. Yeah. <laughs> not getting in a That fight. is real true. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys know Tim and I used to travel together and we used to have to share hotel rooms? Because yeah. we worked for like... Very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One time he left me at a gay bar in Minnesota by myself because he just left with somebody and didn't tell me. He was like, where were My you? husband, because I'm in a covenant marriage. <laughs> like, 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 like Mike Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you had Here's something the different else you to point. say? Here's the different point. The point is actually, it is, the, it is the point about speaking up, which is we are about to go into, I hate to tell you this, but it is going to be Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Okay, that's the election we're facing. That's what's going to happen in 2024. And maybe RFK Jr., I don't know. Um, and the test for everybody this time around, Millie and Kelly and Mattis, all of these guys sat there in the administration They've all been talking in background on books. They've all watched the coup happen. People are either going to say something now or they will regret it for the rest of their lives and we will all pay the price because the only people that can really make a difference now is like, and that is like the thing that we have to demand. It's not to, we can't go back to the future. We can demand now that they speak up because like it's the last time it's really gonna matter. And like that pressure, we have to be putting them on them and we should call them cowards if they don't. Yeah. Sarah, you, you're the expert on this, but don't you think we should wait till September of 2024, then run a whole series of ads? If they do it now, it's, it'll be forgotten by then. We need to hold our fire on that. Okay, so that's a, that's a strategic question. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually trying to pose like a moral question, a question yeah. of what is the right thing to do and are people going to understand? So, Because actually I've already heard there are people, maybe former presidents, where people are already posing the question to them, will you say something going into 2024? And they're saying no. And we should find that unacceptable. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what, no, can, Sonny's can gonna I, say something no, to make me mad. Can I, can, I, can, I ask one, can I ask one strategic question? Uh, would, would that even work or would it backfire? Because no, it'll then, work, it becomes, no. then it becomes, look at the Uniparty coming out against Donald Trump this is our guy, they're attacking him, these are all traitors, they're traitors to Donald Trump. What are, you know, why would we listen to these people? They took his money, they took his jobs. They, like, I, I, have, I have about as much faith in the voters as JBL does. Yes. Okay, guys, just on this whole thing, since you're gonna stand in for JBL. <laughs> I need to stand up. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm standing stand in my chair, I'm standing, I'm cool, I'm cool. Face a little bit. No, no I'm fine. How do people in the room feel about democracy? Do we love democracy? <laughs> Who do you think is part of democracy? Who's doing the democracy? We are. The voters are doing the democracy. So we can't just The people say, on Bourbon Street. Yeah, all of them. The people in Mandeville. All of them. All of the them. people in Shreveport. That's right. All of them. Yeah. Homa, they're voting. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yeah. I'm telling you, it's not good. It's not yeah, good. They're both the in Homa. And so we better figure out how we are going to persuade enough of those people that Donald Trump is a sufficient enough danger, which he absolutely is. It is not like 2020, where we didn't know what he was going to do. We do know now that he'll pull us out of NATO and he will abandon Ukraine. We do know now 
that there will be no guardrails. None of these people will work for him. Mattis won't work for him again. You know who's going to run DOJ? Rudy Giuliani. Pardon Rudy Giuliani. You know who's going to run uh, uh, the State Department? Mike Flynn. Like, just sit with it for a second and let it consume you. Uh, Vivek, Vivek might get staked. Let's not not give it to Mike Quinn yet, okay? Vivek's out there. All right. So our only, the main option, right, is to persuade a small slice of voters who will be up for grabs and a bunch of people in their military uniforms all saying together, I agree, they can come a little bit later. My fear is, is that they're going to do one Atlantic profile or one interview, and they're going to say, they're going to sign one letter with 20 people, and they're going to say, I did my duty. I said it. I said it out loud. That's not enough. Like, we've got to tell this story over and over again. We've got to make sure voters hear it, because I just, I want people to start getting attuned to the level of catastrophe. Can we show them? Yeah. Phil, indulge me. I want to make a pedantic point. Mm. Oh, no. I love pedants. <laughs> I'm against democracy, but I am for liberal democracy. Okay? <laughs> so democracy is what they had in and have in Hungary, where the majority gets to take away the rights of the minority. You know, 51%. So, you know, your religion doesn't get protected, your free speech doesn't get protected because the majority has decided it wants its way. So we don't have that. We have a liberal democracy where the rights of minorities are protected and where we have rule of law and where we have limitations on government. That's what I'm for. Thank you very much. (laughs) Same, same, same. I like it. I like liberal democracy too. I've been trying to take back liberal. I know Sonny Cochieras. I've been trying to take back liberal for our people, you know, because the lefties they want progressive. I can like let them have it. Like lib, like lib, I'm gonna be like the British liberals. You know, that's nice. We the you know, but 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 that's you know it's kind of the same in Australia. The Aussies, the liberals. Anyway, uh, for another day. I want to show them. Uh, I want to go back to Mark Milley and these um, guys. Mark Milley's been good. I want to go back to. Uh, Mattis and these fellas, Condi, and, uh, and the people that have like, been hanging out with Walter and Aspen and not really doing a whole lot. Um, uh, no offense, Walter. May, uh, what I'm wondering is, can we show them? Charlie, Charlie did a good YouTube video the other, other day. Charlie's not here. He's going to listen to this, actually. Could everybody say hi to Charlie really quick? Hey, Charlie. Hey. We miss you. Charlie did a good YouTube video the other day, and it showed um, Brian Stelter telling Jenna Ellis. She, it was like, you are going to regret this someday. He said in 10 to 20 years. Yeah, oh, he said yeah, 10 to 20 years. Yeah. So I was like, you're going to regret this. I just this. watched it and I was like, it was a lot sooner than yeah, that. Yeah, you're going to regret this in 20 years. And then the next video is her crying in court. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I did enjoy. Yeah. Um, and watched a few times. Um, so you'll be shocked to hear that JVL was not satisfied with the tears. He wanted more, fun. He wanted more pain. When, me and a, when I was talking about how much I enjoyed that, he was like, not, not enough pain for her. But anyway, um, classic JVL. But um, can we not show that video to these guys and just be like, here's where you're, you're going to be crying. You're going to be crying in the camps in three years if you don't talk now. Like, this is your moment to avoid regretting it. Like, what, 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 what knobs and levers can we pull to, like, get them out of the Stanford Ivory Tower? I don't think we've done. Jack Smith seems like he's on that. Jack is? Yeah. yeah. I don't know that we can do anything about it, but he no, seems but to be No, but I think, uh, here's what I picture. In a few months, Sarah Longwell is going to place some calls, 
and they are going to take your calls. We're talking about Mattis and all the people who are in the Trump White House, <laughs> and they're go and you're going to say we want you to cut some ads, and all together if possible, but individually if necessary. And you're going to look into the camera and you're going to say, I sat with Donald Trump, I served him, I was not anti-Trump at first, but because of what I saw, he can never hold that office again. And Sarah's going to make that happen. I really, th I really believe that, actually. Yeah. Thank you. I, I said, future me sounds awesome. I can do some boost. I'm going to start carrying around a paper bag for the next year. This is, it's kind of crazy that we're at this like level of uh, where, we're, where we're relying on Jim Mattis to cut a TV ad to save us from a Donald Trump autocracy is a little bit, a little bit uh, too tenuous for, for my taste, I guess. Wish we were in a different place. I want to go on to another tenuous situation. We're just doing uplifting talk here in the French Quarter. <laughs> Nothing but positivity here. Uh, Joe Biden was talking about Israel today. Uh, so I went to GW, as much as I own, uh, as much as I rep LSU, I actually, I actually graduated from GW. We can talk about that after. Uh, but uh, there, were not, there was not some great stuff happening at my alma mater uh, this week. And uh, it's one thing to be like, oh, some college student signed a letter. It's like another thing when some college uh, students are like praising our Hamas martyrs on the side of the library at campus. That's not projecting it on projecting the it on the side. Yeah. That's not good um, uh, to say the least. And um, and some of the numbers about young people have been bad. And uh, so what Rashida Tlaib has done has been bad. And we can talk about all that. But I, I just want to start with like Joe Biden has been like quite good on this. Like quite 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 good. Yeah. And today. Um, and today he was asked about, uh, yesterday uh, KJP gave a very, very bad answer about anti-Semitism, but today the actual president was asked about the uh, deaths in, in, in Palestine, a uh, legitimate question, and, and he was uh, expressed empathy about the deaths, but also at the same time said, I, don't, I actually don't, also don't believe the information that Hamas is putting out. And a lot of lefty folks were like really pissed about this. And I, I thought it was like, a pre, I, people are always like, where is Joe Biden's sister soldier moment? Where, and I was like, Joe Biden's standing in front of the White House and saying, I do not believe the, the Hamas numbers based on, the, based on the intel we have. Like, it's causing him some trouble. And so, I, I, anyway, I, I guess my, my first question for Mona is, is how you assess how he's been doing. And then I want to talk about the politics. Okay, so. Uh, Biden has been magnificent. Um, the, last, the last two weeks have been the best of his presidency. I mean, he has uh, inhabited the office in a way that he has not been able to do until now. And it's been really um, terrific. Now, here's the thing. Um, on the left, it's, it's a different uh, problem. So we've talked a lot at the Bulwark. We, you know, focus on the problem of the uh, authoritarianism and radicalism that is filtering up from the grassroots. And it comes from the people. Now, they are fed a lot of crap by you know, the uh, conservative media. Uh, so that's part, but it has created a problem of the grassroots that then the politicians on and the, right. the elites, the right. I'm talking about the right, politicians and elites have responded to this, they feel like, in order to make their uh, constituents happy, they have to get more and more authoritarian and crazy. On the left, it's quite different. On the left, it's not bubbling up from the bottom. You 
you know, stop your average Democrat on the street and say, what do you think about the Israel-Palestine thing? And they're going to say, well, I mean, of course, Israel has a right to defend herself, and I really feel for the Palestinians, it's an awful thing. They're not going to be saying, go Hamas, okay? But the elites on the left are really corrupted, and they are the ones who are cheerleading for mass murder and not seeming to get that, you know, you, that, that they're, they've got a moral screw loose if they can see what Hamas did two weeks ago and not respond with moral revulsion. Yeah, so here's my question. Either one of you can take this, um, or both. Um, I, I, do, I, I really, I don't, I don't mean to be a Joe Biden fangirl on this. Like, we, and all of us have, like, we're pretty harsh about the Afghanistan. So I, I've not been 100% with him on foreign policy stuff all the time. But I, I shouldn't Biden be getting more credit for this because of what Mona's talking about, right? It would be easy to stand with Israel if everyone in his coalition was lockstep with him. But because this is the one issue where there are people that, that disagree with him, some, some people good faith disagree, some people have some like, kind of crazy views disagree, like, shouldn't he be getting more credit with center, center-right folks because he's been so stalwart on this? Well, this is, I, look, uh, like, like you, I was a little bit, worried after Afghanistan, you know, uh, and, and, but this is the perfect opportunity for Biden to make the case, you know, the Republicans have embraced their crazies. They've embraced their crazies. I represent the middle 60% of the country, the, the 60% that tells the pollsters, yeah, we support Israel's right to exist and defend itself. And, uh, and yeah, I think you're totally right. I mean, like I, I like Mona, I'm, uh, I, I have been, shocked and vaguely appalled by a lot of the talk, but it's also been revelatory in a very real way because like when academics say things like, well, what did you think decolonization was going to look like? Like, yeah, I, I knew it, would, it was going to look like in the context of Israel. It was going to look like this. And that's horrible. And that's why I don't support it. And that's why Joe Biden doesn't support it. And that's like, it's, it's the best case for Joe Biden is here is a guy who is maintaining the United States' role in the national order, or the international order. And he's doing a great job at it. So isn't this, isn't this what, like, so like, it's not just Biden, actually. It's Dan Goldman, who I had on the podcast Sunday. My buddy Peter Hamby wrote an article that had Alyssa Slotkin and Jake Auchincloss and Richie Torres. Like, aren't they doing all the things that, that all of the anti-anti-Trump or never-Trump Republicans asked Republican leaders to do? Like saying to the people on their own side who they think are being extreme, like you're being extreme and crazy. Aren't they all doing that? I think so. I think it's uh, it's getting all. yeah, maybe not all, but also like I want to say two things. One, the situation in Israel is complicated. Condemning Hamas is not. It's like a very simple thing. Uh, people should be able to condemn terrorists. And uh, I think that Joe Biden... I got just really quick. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I got a tweet today that was like, you centrists think that it's so... You're being, you're, you're like, that you're being so logical by opposing Hamas terrorism. And I was like, yeah. It's really hard to oppose Hamas, think Bibi has not been that great, and also not want Palestinian kids to die. That is like, woo, we're scary centrists. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. From a political standpoint, look, I don't know, I don't know if Joe Biden's going to get credit, or maybe he'll start to get some grudging credit along the way. This is one of those situations where, like, it doesn't matter, really, if he's getting credit right now. What he should do is Joe Biden clearly 
believes right now in what he's saying. It is his finest moment because he has moral clarity at the moment. He's speaking from his heart every time he does it. He's speaking like a normal person that is empathetic. And as a result, it will transcend some of the age concerns. He will look like a leader. That will either, it will either give him that. If it doesn't, nothing else will. Uh, like, this is, this, is, this is his best opportunity to show that he still has the ability to lead this country, to be a good commander-in-chief. I thought that Oval Office speech uh, was the best thing I've ever seen from him. And I hope he continues to behave this way. And like, here's the thing. He should just do the right thing and like, let what happens happen. Because he knows it's the right thing and he believes in it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're... That was a really nice talk, really nice, but it was a long so way I'm of saying, saying there's you, don't a chance. Th- you don't think... No, I'm saying there's a chance. You don't think the voters are going to care about this. You don't think that they're going to give me I mean, credit. I will just tell you that, like, this is it's not great. Uh, that when the, the, We've asked of the voters lately, both about Israel and for about Ukraine for a long time, like, even swing voters, like, they just really have internalized this idea that, like, we shouldn't do anything abroad. That we that we and we have lots of problems here. We should take care of our own border. We should spend money here. Uh, this is the this is the argument Republicans have been pumping into the ecosystem now for a long time. And frankly, it wasn't just this was also something that you heard a lot of Democrats say back in the day, back when I wasn't you. I was a much less big fan of them. Uh, All right, we got a special guest coming up here in a minute, but um, I want to play my favorite game. Is everybody ready? It's president or jail. Okay, we go around and everybody tells us how likely you think it is going to be that two years from now when we gather here in the free city of New Orleans, uh, that Donald Trump will be either president, I'm going to give you time to think about this by asking the question in the longest way possible, you'll either be president You'll either be in jail or neither, none of the above. And I'm going to lump in being on house arrest and Mar-a-Lago with the Cougars as being part of jail. So, uh, so jail or house arrest, president or neither. My current, my current uh, spot is 45% president. No, no, 45% president, 40% neither, 15% jail. Moving down the, moving down the, moving down the panel. Sarah? I'll, I'll, I'll swap your top two. So 45% neither, 40% president, 15% jail. Ooh, all right. Little jail, hope. What about president from jail? President from jail. That's a possibility. It could happen. I keep wondering, if he goes to jail, what does the Secret Service do exactly? (laughs) (laughs) Do they, you know, do they say... Like, don't mess with him to the guy who's got, you know, tattoos all over his body and, you know, no teeth. I don't know. Maybe. Okay, well, okay. so before we, before we get to that, so this leads to a follow-up question, though. Are we, is, is your hope at least on the way up? And all these flips in Georgia, we got to give Fonnie Willis some love, right? Like, it's, get, yeah. it's feeling real. Is, there, is anyone else feeling a little more... Are you feeling a little more hope, anyone on Mona? So, so look, uh, this was not a great week for defendant Trump. I mean, you've got, you know, all of these flippers, and uh, you have to love Trump, who keeps saying, you know, I know about flippers, you know, like, uh, as if he's a mafia don, but whatever. Um, uh, And then... then, we only have ABC reporting that, um, that Mark Meadows uh, has a deal with Jack Smith. So it hasn't been picked up by anybody else. 
So we'll hold our fire on that one. Meadows but it doesn't looks... really seem like he's made of stern stuff to me. Yeah, no. He cries a lot. <laughs> I mean, not that I, I'm crying. I, mean, I was just going to say, like, let's take it easy on men who I cry. Mean, he cries I a lot. Cry all, you and JVL are like I always like to cry. crying. I like yeah. to cry, but I, you know. Uh, listen, if you would work, if you would work for Donald Trump, you'd have more reasons to cry. That's true. So weak. Yeah, that's true. When Donald Trump went into the hospital, I was crying tears of joy, and Mark Meadows was crying tears of sadness. So that's like a little different. Um, but look, um, one thing that people have to bear in mind, unfortunately, is that our legal system is designed for delay, and Trump is a past master at delay. That Mar-a-Lago case with his little cutie judge that loves him is not going to go to trial for ages, you know, maybe not even before the election. She's going to find every reason to delay. So that one, which is cut and dried, it's the Mar-a-Lago documents case, that's not going to do anything, certainly not before the election, maybe not ever, I don't know, we'll see. And the, uh, the Georgia one, he's not going to go to jail for that. So I just think if he's, con the, the thing we have to focus on is not whether he's going to be in jail, it's whether he's going to be a convicted felon, because that is a possibility, and that would be enough, I believe, for a goodly number of Republican voters to say, yeah, he was a great president, but I can't vote for a felon. <laughs> a good, define a goodly number. Two, I think. two percent? <laughs> two percent? One percent. Three. Uh, which would be oh, enough. that's good. That's a, that's a, one percent oh, would be enough. I think, I think okay. yeah, we're going to need about six percent. Can I just say, though, really quickly, the chances, like, the scenarios that you can come up with, and it just so happens I was at a meeting where people were doing some scenario things, uh, he could be a convicted felon. Uh, he could be even maybe uh, have to go to jail. And he could still become president, pardon himself, and like walk away from all of it. All right, well, I think we can all agree on one thing. Hopefully he dies before all that happens. Okay, uh, let's, uh, we have one final guest. And I, I, I was hoping that everybody could Don't do me a favor. Uh, and our last guest, it is his 49th birthday. It is his 49th birthday, May 59th, I'm sorry, my years are going wrong, 59th birthday, and he's coming on stage, you might have heard of him, his name is James Carville, and I was hoping we could all, I was hoping we could all sing him a little happy birthday as he comes out to visit us. Ready? One, two, three, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday. 